Welcome to the Jeff and Alex podcast. I am Jeff Hillemeyer, and with my friend, Alex Gonzalez, we explore topics that help you be your best self. And we also get to chat with some great guests. So join us now on the Jeff and Alex podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jeff and Alex podcast. Hello, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm good, Alex. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty excited about um, today. We have a, a, another guest. Um, her name is Vivian Greentree. She's a, an executive at Pfizer, but her her remit over there is pretty amazing. It is. And, and I'm particularly interested in hearing her thoughts on um, the transition because she comes from a military background That's to right. corporate and where sort of purpose fits into that. I've just been really looking forward to this interview for a while. Yeah, and, and they're doing some amazing things, and 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 I think it'll be interesting to talk a little bit about, you know, particularly over the course of the spring and summer, how someone in a role around corporate citizenship and diversity and inclusion. I mean, everything that we're talking so much about um, is really center a stage for her. So, and, and by the way, some people sometimes don't realize how corporations get engaged from a social impact perspective too. Um, so, so yeah. So, anyways, let's uh, let's have this conversation and let's bring Vivian Greentree into the Jeff and Alex podcast. Hello, Vivian Greentree. Welcome to the Jeff and Alex podcast. How are you doing? Great. It's great to be here. Oh, good. Well, welcome to our crazy world here on mornings that we get to just talk about about almost anything. Hey, and, and, and uh, of course, I know you met Jeff Hillemeyer here. That's right. And, and Hi, we're, both, we're both wearing our swag. Alex, where's your swag? You know what? It's been one of those non-swag days. Oh, there you go. Well, see, I don't have, I don't have the, I, you know, I will promise to you, Vivian, if I somehow get some Fiserv swag, <laughs> Jeff knows I'm, I'm the most swag greedy person, you know, I have, you know, selfish uh, swag today, but I'll wear Dragon <laughs> Army stuff. Mark Gorlin over at Rody, I'm always wearing his stuff. So just so you know, not that I'm not asking for anything, but just a hint. <laughs> <laughs> On the list. <laughs> um, so look, um, I love having you here. Um, I, I, there's so much to talk about, and I want to talk about your, your current role at, at Pfizer. But before we get in there, uh, there's something in your background that I find interesting. Um, and you um, have a military background. And, um, and, and I just remember from my days at GE, I remember we had so many uh, military vets that would come into the GE either junior military officers or, or, or whatever the case might be, but would love to, just to kind of start things out, would love to hear about your kind of military experience and kind of how you bridged into the, into the corporate world. Yeah, I do. You know, it's, uh, I was going to say literally and figuratively, cause that's actually one of my, right behind me is one of my husband's, um, his, uh, when he was an ops officer in, um, Iraq. And, uh, so any, it, it was, I didn't know yeah. if you were earlier figuratively, uh, he did just retire this year too, which was uh, Jeff and I were talking about a little earlier. Was actually why we got to move back to Atlanta. So for the first time in oh. 20 years, I've been able to choose where to live. And you know, uh, being from DeKalb, being you know from Tucker, uh, we chose <laughs> Georgia. So um, I would say, you know, the military experience has come full circle for me because I get to move home and then you know want to make Georgia a place where veterans and their families want to retire to um, and their families start businesses, join businesses. Um, but I did, you know, I, I went to Georgia, joined the Navy, um, was supply corps officer, which funnily enough back then was in Athens. So I graduated from Athens. Mm -hmm. 
and then went back to Athens with the courtesy of the Navy for Supply Corps School. It's no longer there. Um, I think they gave that land back to the school. But, you know, I transitioned out. Um, I went off active duty, went into the reserves. At the same time, Mike stayed on active duty. So my transition, I think, um, into the, you know, back into the civilian world was was paved by the fact that Mike was still on active duty. So I didn't, you know, I still had health care. We still had income. It was very certain just because, you know, we were moving and um, started having, a, you know, our family. But I did have the, you know, I would say the the luxury of having, um, you know, a, a, because we were dual income to have the income as I transitioned. And I mentioned that because in a lot of ways, uh, when service members are transitioning out, that is, you know, there's some big, you know, kind of key pillars or factors for that transition and whether they're successful in pursuing education, pursuing, you know, private sector employ or, you know, employment or start, you know, starting their own businesses. Mine was um, a lot more around a loss of identity on what, you know, just being part of a team mm -hmm. and having a mission that we were all invested in. And so um, would love, you know, and I do think that has definitely carried through everything I've done since with that idea of um, just being part of something bigger than yourself and, and promoting that within the nonprofit, you know, sector. And now on the private side, I think a misunderstanding about the private sector is that, you know, you can do well while doing good. Uh, I don't know, Jeff, like, you know, this is your sweet spot too, but the, the less that we create obstacles between people seeing, you know, purpose, passion, and profit, like the better off we'll, we'll all be. Do you, do you think that um, mentality and that philosophy that you, you just shared came from your experience in the military? Or do you think that was just in you sort of always and maybe it's sort of developed over time? Or did that specifically come from your time in the military? I think, um, and even for, for a lot of families, the military service is starting to become a family business. Um, and I actually don't see that as a good thing only because it's the smaller and smaller population that are serving. Um, so I do think, you know, actually having my kids grow up as military kids, um, they probably have been imbued with that sense of like, you're, you're born here in this country with so many amazing opportunities. And along with that comes um, obligations. And, and I think we had to do that as a military family, because otherwise the servant, you know, their father was deployed, you know, five times, five times when they were young. So if, if we weren't doing that for a purpose beyond ourselves, I think it's hard to, you know, explain, um, to, to your kids and to your families, um, on why, you know, service matters, whether it's in the military or not. Um, I come from, you know, my mom, um, was in the Atlanta police department, my, um, stepdad was APD, my grandfather. So I think that service, I think I wanted to be, I wanted to be in the Navy. Um, uh, maybe it was top gun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wanted to be Maverick or date Maverick. No, my husband, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think I've ever dissected that. Um, quite so fully as to right now, but that's what, uh, that's what we're here for Vivian. We're really, this is really what the focus is like, for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> with, um, but I do think, you know, once you do serve and, and it's not only veterans, I think, especially now, you know, being the head of our diversity and inclusion programs, it really stemmed from our military and veterans affairs program, because it was how, how do you recruit veterans? Um, veterans will do better 
if they have these services or if they have employee resource groups or if we, you know, if we have policies that support their garden reserve service. And it's like, well, everybody would do better <laughs> if we had good policies that don't make them choose between, you know, what they do for a living and who they are as a person. Or, you know, we have representation that, you know, looks like them um, and allow them, a, you know, a seat at the table. And so it, it really, it's about t- total employer value proposition. And one of the things that veterans, I do think bring in, and, you know, more and more millennials kind of drove this conversation is around purpose within the workplace. And, you know, the most fulfilled people are also the most productive. They're the most engaged. They delight clients, you know, they, and that's where I think this conversation on like corporate citizenship and social impact um, really has hit, you know, if, if 2020, if one good thing comes out of it, yeah, I think like we're, we're, we're more open to see each other's humanity because we're in our, we're in each other's houses. Um, You know, we might be meeting our kids for the first time because they run across the room or, you know, we're just, we're in a place where I don't think we were on the private side before. And we're more open to those conversations because we know that if we don't support people where they're at, we'll never get the best work out of them Um, because that can't be the only thing. And it's not the only thing that they've done. Um, And veterans, you know, to pull it back, have really driven that conversation in a lot of ways because they, a lot of them did join out of college or out of high school. And so their first employer was someone, you know, we call the military a greedy institution because it, it, you know, you're connected to it way past like nine to five, you know, because of what your mission does, it supports the missions of your teams. It's a team of teams. And then they bring that when they come out, they expect that in their employer, they expect that in their communities. And if employers, if we don't find a way to channel that and, you know, allow for it and then plug into it, like we'll, we'll be missing out. So, so, so I think it's a good transition to, be, to talk about now your current role, um, heading up corporate citizenship and also president of the Fiserv Cares Foundation. So, so, so one, let's talk about what even Fiserv is and then what the role is. But, but I'm just really looking forward to getting into this topic because I, I think there's a lot of people who do not think doing good and corporations can coexist. <laughs> like, yeah, this is what you do every day to make it part of the fabric of your company and the community. So, so talk about your role and, and talk about a little bit what Fiserv does. Right. So, I mean, we say Fiserv is the, and I know you could say this in any other city, but Atlanta, you know, Transaction Alley, fintech, you know, capital of the world, but which is great. I mean, we are one of the biggest fintechs in the world and we like to think the best fintech in the world. And we do, you know, we move money at the speed of life. Um, I don't know whether sound or light is faster, but I actually think life moves faster than either. Um, and so I, I am our strategic advisor for how we create a culture where our associates, we say strive, thrive, and have drive. Um, so I oversee all of our diversity and inclusion efforts, including our eight employee resource groups, our associate engagement, community engagement. Part of that is through the Pfizer Cares Fund um, and our strategic philanthropy, because we, you know, we know um, and it goes back to that total em- employer value proposition. Um, and when we look in terms of how we treat our associates so we can serve our clients in sustainable communities, that's really, you have to kind of go through, you know, for, for sustainable 
impact, uh, we've learned that the areas of diversity and inclusion, associate engagement, community engagement, when they're coordinated uh, at the corporate level, uh, you know, when you're using your first best use of resources towards not just profit, but passion, that's where you get these, you know, the, the magic is because that's where high performing teams are. Um, they can say, you know, I'm a valued member of a, of a winning team doing meaningful work and an environment of trust. Um, and those are all, you know, over time, we've kind of hit on each of those words because, you know, trust is important because you can't innovate without trust. And, you know, to have trust, you have, you know, progress moves at the speed of trust and, you know, ROI, return on investment, there's a return on inclusion and your investment into inclusion. Because again, like trust, if you can't be, you know, vulnerable to create new ideas and have some of them fail, you know, you fail kind of forward. Um, entrepreneurship. And um, you can't do that if you're not in this team where you feel like a valued member and everyone has an equitable opportunity to join and belong and contribute, you know, and progress. Um, and so that's really, you know, uh, where, where I spend a lot of, a lot of energy. I'm curious, um, as you talk about purpose and, and people maybe finding their purpose or, um, you know, their true calling a little bit more this year, um, because of what's been happening, but do you, do you do any work? I know IHG does a little bit of work like this. Do you do any work to help people at Fiserv find their purpose? I, d you know, yes. And I think it's, that's such a good, like, I want to take notes of the questions you're asking me. <laughs> I'm like, that's such a good question. Um, it is. And I, I think we do have an opportunity um, again in 2020. So, you know, one of our, um, an effort we have and specifically in Atlanta too, with our back to business, which is to help small minority and black owned businesses recover from COVID with business grants. Um, so we're doing $10,000 grants. We're going to do a million in Atlanta over the next year. Um, and, but as part of that, the, you know, kind of just as important is that community investment piece so that we're in, we're supporting the systems of incubators and resource providers and aggregators of small minority and black owned businesses and really all small diverse businesses um, and really all small businesses, because we know that kind of where goes small business is, is going to go the economy. Um, and we, you know, we do that every day. That's the first best use of our corporate resources. So how then do you align that with passion? Well, then we, with our employee resource groups, we've developed the volunteer catalog so that if I'm an expert in cybersecurity, I can give that subject matter content to all these small, you know, business aggregators in a way that we just maybe not had not connected before. Um, so that we're creating, you know, we're turning a movement, I mean, a moment into this movement where there is an inflection point here. And Atlanta, I mean, the U.S., Atlanta, um, the private sector, I, fintechs specifically because of our digital online e-commerce, you know, speed of life decisions. Um, we can be the make or break for these small businesses. And that that's important. I think what makes it important and scalable and sustainable is to get our associate population just as involved so that they feel like part of the recovery efforts and that we're building inclusion into that. Um, so that our very, you know, when we come out of 2020, we'll be stronger, safer, you know, safer, faster um, together. And I, you know, 
I do think there is that element of, you know, finding your passion um, or being able to, and, you know, 2020, like people want to help each other. It's like, if Mm -hmm. I'm doing, if I'm doing relatively well right now, because, you know, I'm, I am, I want to turn around and then say, but how can I help other people get to, you know, where I am? And I think, you know, too, again, taking that veteran piece, I feel very, you know, lucky and thankful to have the job that I have. I actually, you know, when I came to um, the private sector, I was in a national nonprofit uh, to support military families and was kind of, you know, given the opportunity. And I feel an enormous debt of gratitude that someone saw in me, you know, you know, not, I thought the SEC, well, to me, the SEC is Southeastern Conference, right? Now it's the Security Exchange Commission. (laughs) And I want to do that, you know, for others um, who might not know who, you know, Fiserv is, what a fintech is, and how there's just infinite opportunity to have impact, you know, past, you know, credit cards and debit cards, but what that means behind it and commerce and, you know, building sustainable systems that are inherently more inclusive across, you know, the digital divide, you know, not leaving unbanked or underbanked behind. In Atlanta, our ecosystem has just so many ways to plug into that. Um, I think that's where you can, you know, people have have passion and purpose that they might not have thought about, hey, what I do every day can help people. Yeah. So, so Vivian, you know, if I, I think about your role, I and mean, we've been, you know, fortunate enough to get to know each other, um, you know, with the, through the Metro Atlanta Chamber and all the work you're doing in the community. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, uh, earlier this year as COVID hit, which of course you know, then we went into a summer of you know um, of course racial equity becoming um, very front and center. Um, how so? First of all, how did you, you even personally? Because you know there's so many leaders that are, are helping their organizations get through all this and COVID, particularly when when COVID hit. You know, how, how did you first of all process that? And then how do you help an organization that the, the scale of Fiserv kind of get focused on where we're going to do good? Because there's so much that needs to happen from healthcare to small businesses to, to homelessness. How do you, in, in, in a time like this, how do you help get focused around the, the, the things that you could have the most impact on? That's it. I mean, Alex, that's another great question because I, I don't, I think, you know, for, for any, um, you know, individ, like you, you know, inclusion starts with the I so that our individual actions and impact our collective actions. Um, and so taking time to hold a moment um, and hold space and place to, you know, we had associate um, convenings, we had, you know, Q&A sessions, all of our employee resource groups individually held conversations. Um, and then we had collective conversations again, uh, so that we had some, some you know, not even two-way feedback, but like a continual loop of our teams of teams, um, which is really, so that's a Stan McChrystal book, Team of Teams and Communications. So in the South, I did, we just say all y'all. So it was all y'all. <laughs> it was groups of y'alls and it became an all y'all. <laughs> you can Southernize any, like, um, you know, speak, any saying. And so we held that, um, those, you know, series of conversations. That's how we came up with our forward together plan. And through that, and we knew at the time, so we were already, you know, back in March when, when immediately small businesses had to shut down or many had to move online for the first time or began to take, 
um, credit or debit because they had only been cash. So we were already in the space of how to have impact for small businesses and really like COVID recovery. But then data started coming out about the disproportionate effect on minority and black owned businesses. And that, you know, one of the statistics we heard was, you know, 40% might not recover. And so it was, you know, because again, of like what we do every day, we thought this is where we can truly have an impact and be a make or break for these small businesses. So then we came up with the grant, the back to business grant program. And then we already had relationships within communities with resource groups, aggregators, that, you know, chambers of commerce, um, like the Metro Atlanta Chamber, um, which, you know, you know, because we were, you know, sending back you and, um, and David and, and how we could, could work to support and the Georgia Chamber, Atlanta Black Chamber, certainly the Russell Center, um, and, you know, Jay's talk, you know, Jay's talking points around access and, and Jeff, you know, I mean, being from DeKalb, it's like, we want the same access for if you're in Bankhead or Buckhead. And that to me is such a, you know, yes, and we'll, we'll, we'll all be better for it um, in Atlanta collectively, the private sector collectively in Georgia, because we, you know, retain the talent. And so, you know, I think it's having those internal conversations. It's, you know, they're uncomfortable. There's a lot, you know, I think Brene Brown calls them courageous conversations for a reason. It can be, you know, uncomfortable to learn new things or, or information that, you know, you didn't know otherwise and how to integrate that into your, you know, not just your work conversations, but your your conversations with your families um, and your communities and your schools um, on top of that social isolation Everybody, you know, and because we we were going through, a, you know, a merger to these two huge companies. Um, and so there were all, you know, and every company has is at every level different, you know, it's meeting people where they're at because we're all on this journey. And I think, you know, when we can recognize that the journey is the destination, like there's not at any one time where any one company or any one community or any one person could say like, well, I know enough now, <laughs> like <Right>. done. <laughs> Um, you might want to feel like that because of the, just the onslaught, but you really, you know, we can't, um, we can't do that. And so I think allowing, you know, taking the feedback from our associates saying, this is how we can have the most impact. And this is also what we want to do. These are the groups we want to support. This is how we want to give back. Um, this is what I do every day really well. I'd like to use that in service to small, diverse businesses. Um, that's, I think, how we you know, channeled and, and evolved the conversation because we have a unique position where we have a small business footprint. I mean, globally, but certainly, you know, nationally, it's every industry, every geographic region, um, every state. And we have this, you know, wonderful partnerships with banks, financial institutions, minority deposit institutions across the country. And, you know, to, to help those to communicate with each other to, for the betterment of, of all is, you know, I, I do feel, again, like just very thankful to be where I am. And I think many of my um, associates do too. And that's why it's, you know, taking this moment where if there's an opportunity to talk about social impact and the importance of inclusion, but as a, you know, as a business case. Right. Yeah. I think it's amazing um, that 
Pfizer, again, just everything that you just said is looking both inward and outward and all the things that you guys do as a company to make an impact um, on diverse communities. Um, that's wonderful. I think too many, too many companies just do, do sort of what might be the easy part, which is, you know, um, more of like just internal let's, which is important, but how can their business actually affect? I think that's, I think that's great that you guys are focused on that. I do want to make sure we say, you know, um, I think we're we're recording this a couple of days before Veterans Day. So on behalf of Alex and I, thank you and your husband for your service. Um, we really so, appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for, you know, helping to make Atlanta, you know, the destination city. I hope I want to join you in that effort. So, yeah, you know. we'll, we'll look, you're, we'll loop you in now. You're, you're stuck with us. <laughs> exactly. but I, but I do have a question though. I, I'm really curious because I spend a lot of time in both the nonprofit and for-profit sector. And I'm always looking at what one inherently does maybe better that the other can, can learn from. I'm really curious from the military perspective. So it's a sort of a two-parter as you think about maybe what is inherent in the military experience that is hard, but important, but hard to get to happen in corporate. And then maybe vice versa. Is there something in corporate that's just baked in that's really hard to then transition to get a military team or division, you know, sort of embracing? Yeah, that's a, um, (laughs) that's a good one. I, so one, I do think, um, you know, meritocracy in the military is very transparent. Like, I think the private sector is catching up with that. Um, But in the military, you know, you know, you get paid like they issue, they literally issue the the pay rates. So everybody knows you do this, you you do this, you do this. So I did, you know, and then if you're, you know, a woman or or underrepresented group, as soon as you transition out, you you might be paid less and you, you know, just because of um, gender and, you know, uh, so that's one. I do think though that, the larger, and maybe it's not that the military has a, has a, um, a, you know, a stronghold in it or that the corporate sector does, but I think maybe the corporates, we haven't talked as, as openly about the fact that altruism really is a powerful force and generosity and civic spirit, you know, and things that people associate with, you know, um, those who serve, whether in the military or any public service, right. It doesn't have to be in the military, um, but I think that like we de- but we do depend on that because we do have an all volunteer force. So whatever reason, you know, encourage someone to, to sign up, you know, it is, a, it's, I, it's like an original renewable resource mm. and human capital. And that, you know, if we, ha- we have to, to utilize it like a muscle, you know, exercise it like a muscle. And I do think that we can benefit from that on the private sector side and the, you know, the system, and I say systems thinking too, but not in the way that it's like, but it's just the way that, you know, it's like when um, president Kennedy talked to the, you know, janitor at NASA and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm putting a man on the moon. I think in the military, you get that like, and you have to, because you know, you scrub a lot of decks in the Navy at least. And you have to think that what you're doing this menial thing in pursuit of, you know, this larger mission with, you know, your team of teams. And if, you know, that's what gets you through the bad days or the, you know, nondescript days, knowing that you are part of something greater than yourself. And I just feel like the companies and some do it very well. And some are just getting there again, it's, it's the journey. And like, we need to meet everyone where they're at on the journey to show them that, that, you know, 
when we set systems up to be inclusive and to include, you know, to have representation and create mirrors and not windows so that people can see themselves as part of your organization, then they, they will do better. Whether it's the private sector, the public sector, the nonprofit sector, communities, schools. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, that was a big mishmash, but... Uh, you know, I think we, I think the more, I think the more we have on both, you know, like entrepreneurs yeah. within the military and, you know, maybe military representation in the, in the labor market will do better. I was hoping if I could just real quick, yeah, I was hoping ahead. that uh, that's what, where you would go. So I not having had any military <laughs> experience, but you know, like the thing that I find the difference between nonprofits and for-profits is it's, it's very hard to get a for-profit um, a, a person like the janitor at NASA to really believe in the cause, partly because most companies don't have a cause. And if they do, a lot of times it's just words on a wall and it's not brought to life. Whereas in a nonprofit, it's all about the cause. You don't have to, you know, people are making low wages. They're working hard because they want to solve this problem. And so that's to me, like what I thought, you know, and that's what you sort of hit on is like, if you're part of the military, you, you're, you're there because you believe in what is happening and that you're protecting your country and so forth. And, and that to me, and it sounds like a lot of like, if I pulled out a lot of the language you spoke about Fiserv and what you guys are doing, you're giving people a sense of you can believe in this company and being a part of this company makes the world a better place, which is, it's really hard to find in corporate America. It, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's discretionary effort and to have someone's, you know, discretionary effort. I mean, the military way, but they can compulse you to do it, but you know, eventually you do, you have to rely. And, and you also, you, it's the person on the, you know, usually the lowest, not the, you know, the entry levels have the most in, engagement with mm-hmm. your clients and your community. So if you don't have the hearts and minds, at least on most days, of those you're, you're losing. It's, it's not just opportunity cost, you know, it's it's not just opportunity cost, it's opportunity loss because you just don't even know what you could be if you, you know, had that extra discretionary effort. And so that's why I think, I mean, it's nothing that can be compulsed, but companies that do put the effort in on the front side, I think will, you know, um, have rewards on the the follow-up. And I mean, BlackRock, that's not just corporate citizenship speaking, you know, BlackRock, um, issues that letter. Um, our CEO, Frank Bizzigno says, you know, we have an obligation to use our space in place, but we have an opportunity to use our space in place. And I, I love moving, you know, instead of corporate social responsibility, let's socialize responsibility so that everybody feels, you know, equal opportunity in being inclusive so we can innovate together, drive revenue, create, you know, these communities where all the veterans want to move to. <laughs> right. No, this is great. This is great. And I love that you're connecting this to, if you do this, we could innovate better and it just tries, it's very symbiotic. But um, but one thing I was going to mention just back from my uh, GE days, I want to say it's just a decade ago, although I think it might be multiple decades now. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> reveal much. But um, but one thing I do remember, you mentioned about this aspect of meritocracy and, and you know, at, at that time at GE, it was just, you know, it was, a, it was the ultimate meritocracy from a corporate perspective. And as we would get... Uh, folks from the military, whether they're JM, you know, junior military officers, whatever it is, whatever the program was to come in, they just thrived in it because there's so much <laughs> transparency in terms of this is what I need to do. 
This is the objective. This is the purpose. And what I loved about it too, it would create clarity of purpose sometimes. Cause you know, in a big company, sometimes things just happen, but you had you know, as lead, they would just grow as leaders so fast as in the company. Cause they would figure out what is our, what's the, what's the purpose. And then this would be very transparent how it gets measured. So I, so I definitely um, could connect with that. Having seen that in action, also not military myself, but having seen it with some, some of my best friends from GE were, were you know, uh, yeah. prior military. Um, yeah. Well, no, and I, and then it's, you know, and then everyone does better, right? When there's clarity, um, career pathing and mapping and internal mobility. And so that's another, you know, we learned that lesson with our, um, with our military program too. And then, but imminently transferable to all populations where everyone, you know, would do better, um, right. can see themselves joining. Cause not everyone, you know, you can't just join at the top, you have to work your way up. And as long as we create pathways for that, um, you yeah. know, you keep that energy there. Absolutely. So one thing, Vivian, as before we, I know time flies here, uh, but uh, but one thing I do want to uh, talk about, because there's so many things that you are doing and, and we could not do, we can't do it all justice here just in, in the few minutes we have. But but one thing you did do, which is uh, with one of our great friends here that I know Jeff and I both know, but with Jay Bailey uh, and the Russell Center. Exactly. I love that reaction. You mentioned Jay's name, <laughs> you'll just light up. Um, and he's doing amazing, amazing, amazing things, not just for Atlanta, but for the for the country, for the world. But talk a little bit about um, what you and Fiserv um, have been doing with Russell Center, because I think when you talk about inclusive entrepreneurship and small business oh, sure. and all that, that, that is such an amazing example of when you get behind something like that, how it's going to make a material impact. So I'd love to hear a little bit of what you're doing with them. Yeah. And he, you know, so our back to business um grant program and community investment. He was one of the first ones. I, I actually heard him speak at the Metro Atlanta Chamber board meeting mm-hmm. last year, maybe two years ago now. Um, like this last year has kind of been a time warp. Right. Like it was March for four months. Now it's December. I don't know. Um, but I heard him and I, you know, he, so, bec- and I, you know, to draw it all back to veterans, I, you, um, which are the most diverse population in the country. So I, you know, but we support Syracuse University's Institute for Veteran and Military Families and their Center for Excellence for Veteran Entrepreneurship and a coalition um, for veteran-owned business. And Frank started that when he was at J.P. Morgan that stood up that IVMF um, at Syracuse. And Jay and the Russell Center is the first time I have seen that kind of growth potential to become an IVMF, which again, it's located at Syracuse, but it's national program. You know, they partner with the SBA, they have back to business that we have a vet um, 50, 50 fastest growing veteran owned businesses in the country. We have a coalition of veteran owned business with fortune 500 partners like, you know, Disney and Walmart and, um, you know, to, to support, you know, access to resources, access to capital, access to supply chain, and when I met with Jay, he, you know, has the same vision to connect space and place, to connect industry, to, you know, connect state, federal, local, private, public, nonprofit, ed- academic, all in the same, you know, and, and it's just when you hear that, it's so exciting. And he says, you know, the difference between Bankhead and Buckhead is access, opportunity, and exposure, um, and I and I know that's the case because of what we've done with the veteran um, business population. And it's, your, you know, it's your network. Your network is your net worth, whether you're looking for a job or to start a business. 
And we want to, I mean, it wouldn't would be amazing if Atlanta ho, you know, housed the national preeminent resource provider for black and minority owned businesses, because we, I mean, like, you know, we have the time, treasure and talent to do it. Why would we cede that to any other city or state? Um, and so he, you know, what he's doing again, connecting, you know, financial institutions, access to capital, resource providers, chambers of commerce and aggregators, Atlanta Village Market, um, Atlanta Black Chambers, even, you know, the Metro Atlanta Chamber, David sent me over when we first started talking, all the resources that the Metro Atlanta Chamber provides, um, you know, second and third order effects. And so, you know, and and Jay makes it easy because you just say, Jay, (laughs) this is uh, like, you know, do this. And it's, and it's, you know, it's a neutral, you know, he, he wants to bring all those together so that we can, we can all, you know, be better for it. Cause none of us could do it on our own. Um, and maybe, yeah. Yeah, no, no. And I think it's great. So first of all, you know, thank you for what you're doing with, 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 uh, with Jay and, and, um, and that was pretty cool to, in this world where we, we cannot be, where we're mainly virtual, you're able to have a quasi-physical event to kind of launch, you know, that is. So it's kind of oh, cool yeah. to see the, uh, you know, your, your trucks out there and and, and all that. But um, so, but I think it's great. So look, I think we, we could go on. I, I, we're just scratching the surface. So, you know, you have an open invitation, obviously, to always come back. But I, I just uh, enjoy hearing one is let me encourage people if you if you do not follow Vivian uh, on on uh, social media, we'll put a link, particularly on LinkedIn, um, to really to really see the story of corporations and and uh, and doing good and purpose coming together. And I, I think there's uh, there's very few stories better than what Vivian's doing and what five, what five Service doing. So I'd love so make sure you follow to see it in action. And also doing some real things uh, that's beyond just the brochure where in terms of what's happening uh, too. And also just it's a cool person to know. So, um, <laughs> speed of life. <laughs> exactly. Speed of life. So we're going to move to the speed of life. So Vivian, thanks for joining us here in the Jeff and Alex podcast. Thanks for having me. I, y'all are uh, a good. I like this. This is a good duo. Well, we'll, we'll we will get see. information out there. Yeah. Well, thank will. you so much. It was, it was awesome to hear your story and um, finally put a, put a face to the name. Great. We'll see you soon. All right. Well, that was Vivian Greentree here on the Jeff and Alex podcast. So, what, well, Jeff, that was that was something. I, I I know I learned stuff, and I talked I talked to Vivian on a regular basis, but I definitely learned stuff. And that was my first exposure to her. And oh my gosh, like I have a dozen questions that I didn't get a chance to ask her. I hopefully we'll have her back. She was amazing. Well, I, and you know, one thing, um, and I know when we're going into it, we talked about her her military background, and, and but. And we were going to talk a little bit about it, but I really learned so much and could connect so much from the perspective she brings and how it shapes what she does um, every day. And so, yeah, I just loved it. And she's a fabulous person. So if you do not have, do not follow Vivian, make sure you go on LinkedIn and follow her in particular. She has a, some great stories to tell. And of course, make sure while you're out there, you also click follow Jeff and I on social media, interact with us as we uh, tell these stories and make sure to follow us on your favorite, on the Jeff and Alex podcast, on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. And most importantly, both. And uh, so Jeff, I guess we'll be talking again in about a week. Yeah, I will see you then. We'll see everybody soon.